From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the Chesapeake Bay, Virginia is a mecca for outdoor travel and adventure. Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast brings listeners stories and recommendations from leaders and influencers across the Virginia outdoor community. Get the information and the inspiration to plan your own adventure right here in Virginia. I'm your host, Jessica Bowser. Diversifying the face of the outdoors. That's the motivation behind the creative work of outdoor influencer James Gregory, also known as the Ethnic Explorer. James is an avid outdoorsman and is most often found hiking the forests of Charlotte County, backpacking in the Blue Ridge Mountains, or paddleboarding on Kerr Lake, known to locals as Bugs Island Lake in Mecklenburg County. James recommends some of his favorite trails and parks, as well as tips for beginner paddleboarders. He also shares his journey outfitting a Chevy Astro for van life on a budget. James strives to build a more inclusive outdoor community and inspire everyone to experience the outdoors. Let's go. But first, in case you haven't heard the big news, Virginia Outdoor Adventures is honored to be a runner-up in the 2022 Best of the Blue Ridge Awards. Thanks to your support, not only are we recognized for being one of the best regional outdoor podcasts, but the added exposure is helping the show reach new listeners, which makes it possible for me to continue producing new episodes that highlight the best outdoor recreation opportunities right here in Virginia. Thank you for your support. James, welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Thank you for having me on your show. So what are your earliest outdoor experiences? I'd say my earliest outdoor experiences would be when I was a kid around five years old. I used to go out of my house and play in the woods. I would actually go on like, I guess you could call it hiking, but I didn't know it was hiking. I just thought it was walking in the woods and I would go to a creek with my cat and we would just... I just sit there and chill and absorb all of the ambiance around us. I love that you are hiking with your cat. <laughs> Do you know how many Instagram accounts are like hiking with their cat and, and that have blown up and you're, you were actually doing it since a kid. Oh yeah. I was, I was literally like five years old doing this. And I, and it was one instance where I did get lost and my cat helped me find my way back, back home. That's amazing. I love that. It's not the same cat that you have today, is it? No, it's not. Okay. Cause I do see your cat posted on Instagram a lot and she's really funny. Like you're doing these dance videos and she just comes <laughs> trotting by like nothing's going on. <laughs> yeah. She's used to all my crap. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so when you and I first met, you told me this story. You mentioned to me that when you were a little kid, that your grandmother used to tell you not to go into the woods. Why did she say that to you? Oh yeah. My grandma, and actually, my grandpa would tell me because they grew up in that kind of era where everything was segregated and times, you know, weren't the best for them. So they always told me to stay out of the woods because it wouldn't be safe for me there. I could get cornered. I could get beat up or taken away, kidnapped. Any Anything could happen because that's just how it was for Black people when they were growing up. So they kind of passed that on to me. 
It's amazing that you had that type of experience and yet you are still so interested in the outdoors and in love with nature. So what was the spark that got you interested in the outdoors? I was always a rebel. So I would do things that my family told me not to do. But the thing that got me really hooked into the outdoors was the freedom I felt when I would go out into the outdoors. That was just like freedom that I'd never felt before away from everybody. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's there to tell you, don't do this, don't do that. Just that freedom and the serenity of my surroundings is what really draws me to the outdoors. What inspired you to start sharing on Instagram and YouTube? Well, I noticed when I would go out into the woods and do these things and then go and watch like a TV show and and they wouldn't have anybody on the show that actually looked like me that were, you know, black and a lot of my friends would tell me when I was like, hey, let's go camping. They would tell me that's not what black people do. And that reason right there prompted me to start creating content to show that, yes, black people can do this. Black people do do this. And it's just the fact that I wanted to show inclusion within the outdoors to inspire maybe another black person who love the outdoors. So your mission, according to your profile, is to diversify the face of the outdoors. So how has the outdoor community responded to your message? They have, so far, it's been super positive. I get a lot of messages coming in saying, thank you for being a a light to diversifying the outdoors. Thank you for inspiring me to go up and the outdoors more and to feel what nature can do for the mental and your physical being. And I really have gotten all my friends hooked on the outdoors. They want to go hiking all the time. They want to go see these waterfalls. They want to go just to see all the mountains around the area now that they wouldn't have thought of that if I hadn't put out my content. Have you ever wondered about prescribed fire? Here's your chance to ask about the good fire used to manage your landscapes. On February 22nd, tune in for a special edition of Virginia Outdoor Adventures with my guest, Sam Lopez, a member of the fire crew with the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources. Sam will be answering your burning questions about prescribed fire received between now and February 10th. Submit your questions by emailing info at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. You can also message me your questions on the contact page of our website, virginiaoutdooradventures.com, or on the show's Facebook or Instagram accounts. Check your show notes for links. So let's talk about some of the things that you do outdoors. And there's a lot. I see you hiking. I see you backpacking. I see you paddle boarding. And most recently, you have a van that you have been, uh, I guess you gutted it, right? And you've been um, decking it out so that you can travel around the country in your van. And, you know, if you go on to anywhere on the internet and you enter hashtag van life, (laughs) your feed will just be flooded with people 
people doing the exact same thing. It seems like it's become a phenomenon lately, which I personally think is kind of funny because a few years ago, if you would have said you were living out of your van, people would have looked at you like, oh, I don't know about that. And now everybody wants to live out of their van. <laughs> it's really interesting <laughs> to me. Um, so tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start um, going down the road of van life. So in 2016, I was working at a Ford dealership in Tampa, Florida, and I was a service valet. And I was the person when you brought your vehicle in for service that I would take it into the back so the mechanics could work on it. And this Ford, I believe it was a transit. Yeah, Ford Transit comes in. And the guy leaves his keys in and I hop in to go valet the car to the back. And observing my surroundings, I looked behind me and I noticed that it was built like an RV. And I was just, my eyes almost popped out of my head. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Like, can you imagine the places you can go in a van rather than like a big old RV? And from that moment on, that really got me hooked on van life. That's when I knew that I wanted a van so I could go out to these places and not have to worry about a hotel or pretty much braving the elements. Yeah. So what kind of van are you working on? I'm working on a 1994 Chevy Astro CS. It's the short body and it's not the extended body, which mostly everybody gets the all-wheel drive extended body. I chose the short body for the stealthness of it. It's very stealth. Where did you get it from? Okay, so my dad was a, he owns a recreation league for basketball. And I used to play basketball with him. And that van was the same van that used to transport me and my basketball team to different games. And recent since they got rid of the van um it's set at the bottom of the yard because they didn't use it anymore and i was just like hey dad what are you doing with that van he was like nothing so i was like can i have it and he was like yeah i'm not doing anything with me so he gave me the van and i started stripping it out and building out my camper van I have to tell you, when I was a kid, my uncle Jim had the exact same van, same color and everything, that powder blue. And he used to bring it over to our house and he talked about how he was going to do the exact same thing. And this is before hashtag van life existed, right? So this is like, you know, maybe the late 80s. So he was going to strip it and we were going to go camping. That was the whole plan. And he talked about this year after year after year. And I don't think he ever got any farther than stripping it out. He never put anything in it. And so uh, for, yeah, for most of my childhood, I was promised that this was going to happen and it never did. So now I get to sort of live vicariously through what you're doing. What are you most looking forward to once the van is complete? Well, there's one spot in particular that I'm like super excited to go to, but as a whole, I'm looking forward to being able to travel to all these different spots and not having to worry about a hotel or, you know, having to actually bring a tent and all that stuff. I guess you can say um, being kind of a glamper. <laughs> but um, I would love to go to Joshua Tree National Park. That is where I really, really, really want to go. 
I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. It's like a big adult playground. It's an amazing place. So you're thinking you're going to be going all over the country, not just all over Virginia. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go all over the country. I'm even going to go into Canada. Excellent. That's that's also on my bucket list. So again, I'm going to be living vicariously through you, I think. But especially during pandemic times, I think that might be a safer way to travel. And I think that might be part of the draw of why so many people are now interested in purchasing RVs or going around the country in a van. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, it's also a good way for a lot of people to not have to pay the expensive rent like it's very popular on the west coast because everybody knows how ridiculous california is in terms of prices of everything and a lot of people find that as a way to not have to pay that very expensive jacked up rent but how expensive is it to actually have a van decked out for you to live in well for my build, I literally spent under a thousand dollars building the entire thing out. But then after that, you would have to, if you want to like travel and do all the parts, you would have to do gas expense, maintenance expense, food expense, and things like that. Most people get a gym membership, like a Planet Fitness gym membership, which was like $10 a month, I believe, when I had it. And you can shower. And you can also shower at truck stops, but you have to pay per minute, I believe. So it's really not too bad. What I like about the way that you are building out your van is that you are taking things that you already have on hand and using them to build it out, as opposed to some of the other things I see online where people are dumping thousands upon thousands of dollars to build out something really elegant or, um, you know, really high end, whereas yours is just, you know, what you've got around is what gets used. Yeah, exactly. My whole mission was to show people that you don't have to spend a ton of money to build out a van and you don't even have to do what I did in the van. You could literally go with an air mattress in the back and some plastic drawers and you can literally have a van to travel with that way. I think they call it a no build van, but I have utilized all the stuff that I had here. And since I had that stuff here, I just utilized it and built my van out that way. And that's just how it turned out. It worked to my favor to be under a thousand dollars because I really don't have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that seems to be a theme that I see you carrying out throughout all of your outdoor experiences, which is that you don't need to have a ton of money to enjoy the outdoors. You don't have to spend a lot of money on gear. You don't have to spend a lot of money on traveling. You just make do with what you have and you can still experience the outdoors. Yes. Most things you can get away with buying cheap, like my hiking pack, for instance, has came from Walmart. It was, I believe, $20 and it's a 45 liter pack, internal frame pack. And I've taken that thing on many hikes and it has stood the test of time. It's not really waterproof because some of my stuff got wet. But if you put a cover on it, 
then it'll it'll be just fine. And yeah, you really don't need expensive stuff. But if it's like a tent, I definitely would go kind of on the more pricier side because like Walmart tents tend to leak. And that's really not something you want when you're camping or backpacking in the backcountry. More in just a moment, but first, there may still be snow on the ground, but I'm already dreaming about my spring break getaway. We are so fortunate here in Virginia to have access to a plethora of outdoor recreation options where we can unplug and focus on what matters most. Whether you're looking to reconnect with family and friends or just spend some quality me time, may I suggest exploring Mecklenburg County, Virginia, home of Kerr Lake, or known by the locals as Bugs Island Lake, with over 850 miles of beautiful shoreline. Kerr Lake is an ideal location for boating, kayaking, paddleboarding, fishing, and swimming. With cozy cabins and inns, local wineries, farm-to-table restaurants, and quaint shops nearby, Mecklenburg is an ideal base camp for your lake vacation. I planned my most recent visit to Mecklenburg using their online Plan a Trip tool. I clicked on the locations and activities that interested me, and the trip planner summarized my itinerary and provided the contact info I needed for reservations and directions. With everything in one place, my vacation to Mecklenburg is organized without the stress and waste of time searching the internet so I can focus on what matters most. To see photos and videos of my most recent trip to Mecklenburg and the beauty of Kerr Lake, check out the show's Instagram and Facebook pages. Ready for your lake adventure? Download the travel guide and start planning your trip at visitmacva.com or click Visit Mecklenburg in the show notes of your listening app to go directly to their site and the handy plan a trip tool. And now back to the show. So what county are you in? I'm in Charlotte County, Virginia. It's it's not Charlottesville. A lot of people think it's Charlottesville, but it's at the very bottom of the state, really close to Lake Kerr slash Bugs Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some um, Virginia State Parks near there, aren't there? Yes, there are three. There's Okneechee, there's Staunton River Battlefield State Park, and Staunton River State Park. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting part of the state and I'm really excited to talk to you about it because a lot of people don't think about that area as an outdoor destination, but it absolutely is. And I think you've proven that. Oh yeah. It, it, it really, it's like all forested. So you really have a large place to explore when it's not on private property. And recently they just, um, made the Charlotte State Forest, which is my county's first state forest, and it should be opening up here pretty soon. Is that right? I didn't know that. I'm going to have to come down and visit. Oh yes, it, um, they they did it late last year, I believe, and they haven't even organized how it's going to be laid out. But they do have a few hiking roads. Uh, it's like a used to be a logging land. So they have um, barriers up where you can just walk and hike. And I plan on doing some videos of it very soon. Oh, I can't wait to see that. It sounds like they are probably wide roads that trucks had to drive on. Yes. And it's very, it's, um, it's actually a swamp down in there, like a, a big swamp. Oh, even better. 
Yeah, it, it's it's going to be awesome. I really want to explore it. Cool. Yeah, definitely put some videos up and I'll come down and we'll go for a hike. Kind of like when I came down and we went paddle boarding over the summer. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That was so much fun. Let's talk about paddle boarding. Um, you said you live next to Kerr Lake or Bugs Island, sometimes it's called. What got you into paddle boarding? Well, I I was all right, so I grew up on West Coast culture as a kid, and I used to watch a lot of people surf, and I figured, hey, paddleboarding would be more accessible for me since I don't live near the beach with a lot of waves where I can actually surf. So I invested in a paddleboard, and that has been one of my favorite investments so far. It has enabled me to explore islands and places I normally could not go to. You talk about it being an investment, which I think is interesting. Sometimes gear is an investment. You can't get around spending a lot of money on something. And a paddleboard or a kayak or a canoe or something like that is usually in that category where you've got to put out at least a couple hundred bucks if you want to get something that's going to last. So how much does a paddleboard usually cost? You can get a paddleboard for around... A hundred and fifty dollars at the bare at the least amount, but I would not advise to get those boards because they could rupture very easily and they usually false advertise on those low end boards. So I would say spend around three to four hundred dollars for a decent quality one. And does somebody need to have like one of those roof racks to be able to get it around? Not if you get the inflatable stand-up paddleboard like I have. You can literally deflate it, fold it up, and it goes in this backpack. And I literally transport it in my two-door Honda Civic in the backseat. I mean, that sounds like it's worth it to me. I also, um, I don't have an SUV and I'm short, I'm only five foot three. So for me, getting anything up on the top of a car is enough to deter me from wanting to do that activity at all, which is why I have an inflatable kayak. Um, so I think it's probably a really great advice to get an inflatable one. And I remember like, I remember your board when we were together, I didn't even know it was inflatable. I had no idea. It looked like a solid board that I wouldn't have had any idea could actually deflate and roll up. Uh, they make, yeah, they make them very dirty. They're like, it's PVC with like drop stitching inside. You could literally run over it with a car and it would be okay. So they make them very, very sturdy. <laughs> and they're also in most in instances better than the hard, like epoxy or wooden paddle boards because they can hit rocks and just bounce off of it where if you hit a rock with a wooden one it'll chip or epoxy it'll like crack hmm. all these things to consider i'm glad we're talking about this um what else should people be thinking about if they're interested in paddle boarding i know usually people if they want to try it will go to a local park where they can rent a paddle board for an hour or two would you recommend doing that or what other advice do you have for beginners yeah i would definitely recommend renting them to, to try it out and see how you like it also make sure that the paddle floats because sometimes they advertise 
as the paddle floating, but when you fall off and the paddle sinks to the bottom, you're you're stuck paddling back with your flip flops. <laughs> Oh, and I know that you learned that lesson the hard way. When I saw that video that you posted, I cried. I literally cried because it was so hilarious. <laughs> and the, the, I think the best part of it, though, is that you're sitting on your paddleboard. You've got your video. Um, I guess you use a GoPro, right? Like sitting in front of you yeah. on the paddleboard and you're leaned over with like one sandal in one hand and one in the <laughs> other and you're paddling. But the best part is like you're laughing the whole time that you're talking about it. I think most people would not be laughing. They'd be like, oh, my God, I just lost my paddle. I'm out here in the middle of the lake. What am I? going to do? And you're just laughing at yourself. And I just, I, I can relate to that because when you're outside, crazy things happen that you just would never expect to happen. And the best you can do is just get a good laugh out of it. Yeah. I was just like, you know what, whatever I can paddle my way back, just like the surfers paddle out without a paddle. So I knew I'd be okay, but it was a, a pretty long paddle back. <laughs> Yeah, well, you get into a lot of shenanigans out on the water, <laughs> and they're oh, all that, yeah. they're the, all entertaining. The... I love that you document all of these things and share them with people because it, it just goes to show that even somebody who's experienced at this can still have these things happen. Oh yeah, I'm I'm always into something. <laughs> when you and I went paddleboarding, what happened with that little folding <laughs> chair? <laughs> well, I had decided to put the chair on the paddle board so I can have a little seat to, you know, just sit down and relax and paddle. But I stood up in the wind, decided to blow it off. And by the time I went to reach to get it out of the water, the lake just swallowed it up. And I was like, well, there's $60 gone down the drain. I, but like you had such a good <laughs> attitude about it. <laughs> I yeah. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm used to used to that happening. I, I lose a lot. Like I lost my drone in the lake. That was a six hundred dollar loss. I gotta tell you, it was it was the second time that I laughed so hard I cried uh, when not with the drone <laughs> but with the seat because you were just telling me how great this seat was. From was it from REI? I think it was. Right? Yeah, it was the REI version of the fold-out the fold, camp chair yeah the little fold-out camp chair and you're telling me how like how light it is and it's so easy to carry around and when you're tired of standing or kneeling on the paddleboard you can sit down and you're demonstrating this whole thing <laughs> and then like a moment later it's at the bottom of the lake and you're like leaning over your paddleboard looking down into the water <laughs> it, was just, it was too funny we had such a good time that day yeah it, it was my fault because I should have had it at least strapped down but you know, when you're adventuring, things like that happen. They sure do. Um, what locations would you recommend for paddleboarding? Any, either in your area or anywhere else in the state? The locations that I particularly like are mostly in my area. I really like paddleboarding in the Staunton River, also known as the Roanoke River. It's just a certain section that they call the Staunton River. It was like a historical thing. I don't know the exact um, story behind it, but it's literally the same as Roanoke River. That is amazing. Um, Hogan Creek Wildlife Management Area and 
Lake Kerr when there's not a lot of boats, but when there's a lot of boats, it's kind of, it's not fun because all the waves and they will get close to you. Yeah. That always makes me really nervous. So how do you avoid the boats? I usually try to stay close to the shoreline because I know boats aren't going to be trying to get close to the shoreline most of the time because they don't want to run up on the shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the day that you and I went, was it a weekday? It must've been. Yeah. I think it was a Wednesday. Yeah. And maybe September or October. Cause there were not a lot of people you and I put in at Okanichi state park, which is an amazing location. We had, I mean, it was really pretty. There were not a lot of boats that day. We did stay close to the shore anyway, but the lake itself has all these like little inlets and coves along the the shoreline. So it's not just a straight shoreline. You've got all these little peninsulas that jut out and it's just really interesting to do some exploring in there. Yeah. Those, it, it, you have those little coves all the way from Okanichi down into North Carolina. That's how massive that lake is. And it's just a lot of area with a lot of islands to explore. And one thing I would recommend to do while you're paddleboarding is wear a life vest and attach your leash to you so if you fall off your paddleboard doesn't go down the river or out into the lake that's such a good point safety is always um, a priority a good pfd is really important to have Um, and i love okanichi state park i was staying in a cabin while i was down there and my cabin was right on the water so i could from my cabin watch the sunset and that was awesome so i highly recommend checking out the cabins there not all the cabins are on the water so you'll want to check the map when you're making a reservation but um i do love that location it's just so pretty Oh, yeah. Okanichi um, is a great spot to see the sunset in the um, summertime. Also, Hogan Creek Wildlife Management Area, because it's literally like a shallow water little cove off of the um, Roanoke River or Staten River. And you can literally sit in there by yourself with no boats around, just nature around you, deer, and watch the sun go clear to the horizon. Wow. I want to ask you about a couple of the other locations you mentioned. You said Staunton River State Park and also Staunton River Battlefield. Maybe it's a good time to talk about your hiking. Um, What is it that you love about those two parks? I love about those two parks are they're not crowded like a lot of parks and you get a lot of open space to yourself. And you also see a lot of wildlife because there's not many people around. Now for Staunton River, I like the fact that you can stand on like a peninsula and just look out into the James, not the James River, but the Staunton River and the Dan River. They connect right there. I forgot the correct terminology for it. A Mm, Cohen. The confluence. Yeah, confluence. There we go. That's the correct terminology. (laughs) That's where the confluence right there. And you can literally just look over the water and watch the sunset from there for the battlefield i love the historical element of it and also within the battlefield they have a archaeological site where a ancient 
Native American village used to be right beside the river. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that you and I both feel that it's really important to tell the story of our indigenous peoples. And that's one place where you can go to learn some of the history. Yes. Staunton River State Park. um, I would agree with you that there aren't usually a, a whole lot of people there. I spent a holiday there once. And the, so Staunton River is one of the six original Virginia state parks. And so the cabins were built by the Civilian Conservation Corps, and they just recently renovated them. And I was staying in cabin number one, which literally is where those two rivers come together, like you mentioned, and then the land sort of juts out between them and the cabin is right there on that little peninsula of land. So you can look out one side of the cabin and see one of the rivers and look out the the other side and see the other river. Yes, exactly. That's that's one of the best places that I find to actually be able to see two rivers come together like that. It's cool. So you do a lot of hiking around the area. You also backpack, right? Yes. What is it about backpacking that you enjoy? The solitude and not seeing a lot of people for a long time. Like when you're backpacking, you're you're just out there alone and you're self-sufficient. You got everything you need on your back to survive for however long you want to stay out there. And you can just literally become one with the natural world around you. Do you ever have safety concerns when you're backpacking? Yes, I, I do. I, um, my main safety concern isn't really animals. My main safety concern are people trying to harm me because of my race. That's one of my main concerns. And I'm always very careful and I'm always very vigilant when I meet groups of people on the trail to make sure they're not trying to follow me and take advantage of a solo black hiker. What I do to stay safe is I carry bear spray, not really for the bears, but for people. And I have a four inch knife that I usually carry with me. That's part of my survival kit. And then sometimes I also carry a nine millimeter handgun. Interesting. Um, I belong to a lot of Facebook groups and off of hikers and backpackers, um, especially, you know, solo women, hikers and backpackers. So the question about safety gets posted pretty often. And um, the first few times that I was reading through some of those comment threads, I was really surprised how many people said that they were carrying a weapon and in particular a gun. I didn't realize that the percentage was so high and it actually is really quite high. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do carry guns, but they don't let them be seen. So when you meet another hiker, you don't make them super uncomfortable because not everybody loves guns, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. How does hiking and backpacking make you feel connected to nature? When I'm out observing just all the animals playing in the clouds passing me by the smells in the air it really puts in a great perspective of how small we really are on this planet and that right there connects me to nature so much more to realize like there's so much more in life than just working and doing all these paying bills and just 
doing things that's a drag, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I do know. I I really enjoy your and appreciate your curiosity when it comes to nature. Oftentimes you post photos or videos of a particular plant that you found and what the name of the plant is and maybe what indigenous people used to use it for or what people use it for today or what value it has. And I actually learn a lot from your posts. I have, you know, been on hikes myself and found a plant that I was able to recognize because I saw you post about it. So I think it's really interesting that you are always tuned into what's around you and you're not just flying down the trail, like with blinders on and not noticing what's around you in nature. I love to just connect with the particular place that I'm in. And if I see a plant that I don't recognize, I'll take a picture of it, go home, do tons of research, learn about it. And then the next time I go out, I know exactly what I can use that plant for in cases where I may get lost or, you know, a survival situation, I'll have my resources right there and know exactly how to use it. Are you familiar with the Virginia Department of Wildlife's identification guides? Like they have one for frogs and they have one for snakes and they have one for bats and they have one for trees. Have you heard of those? I have not. I will have to send you the link to them. I just got the full set in the mail not too long ago. I had a couple of them before, but I was missing a few. Um, Those books are so wonderful because they help you identify mostly animals. There is a tree identification book, but when it comes to like salamanders or turtles or whatnot, like a lot of them look alike. And especially when it comes to snakes, people are worried about, is it venomous or is it not? Um, And I just think that these are wonderful, wonderful resources for people to use. So I'll have to send you a link so that you can check those out. Sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. So what are your hopes and dreams for yourself and the outdoor community? My hopes and dreams is to build a better outdoor community, a more inclusive outdoor community. And I hope that I can be a big part of that and inspire a lot of different people. I mean, I'm not really in it for like the followers or any of that. I just literally want to inspire other people of color to just get out there and explore. And it's, it's not just for one race of people. It's for everybody explore. Well, I think you certainly are inspiring a lot of people. I can see the excitement um, in the feedback from the the community in the comments and and the other things on social media. So you're definitely doing it. Um, How can listeners connect with you? You can, they can connect to me through my Instagram, which is the underscore ethnic underscore explorer or on my YouTube, which is the ethnic explorer. I'll, I'll pop right up. I'll be the first one up there front and center. The Ethnic Explorer. Okay. And I will drop links in the show notes so that people can click directly to your social media pages. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up. But before we do, I definitely want to know what is one piece of gear that you can't live without? I can't live without my portable water filter because most times... I end up drinking all the water that I have, and then I can just go get more water out of the abundant creeks that's around Virginia. Like there's water just all over Virginia. And that's one good thing. If you get lost, you can find water. How do those water filters work? 
they filter out microns. They have like a different micron rating. I think they have one that only filters out a certain amount of microns, but not viruses. And then they have a higher micron one that filters out viruses, but it passes through like filters with charcoal and all that good stuff. Are they big or bulky or heavy to carry? Oh, no, they're they're literally smaller than the palm of your, well, I guess it depends on the size of your hand, but they're literally, I'd say like one to two inches. I know that's really important for backpackers because backpackers are going on for days. So you can't pack enough water for multiple days without being concerned about the weight. So you need to be able to filter water to drink as you go. Exactly. And I'm one of those people that love to have the lightest pack possible. So I I'll look up the route and tend not to bring actual water with me, but bring a foldable reusable container with me so I can just fill that up along the trail and drink as I need. Yeah, I know a lot of people do that. And it's pretty smart. Do you have a particular brand that you would recommend? My filter, it's a um, Sawyer. I got it from Walmart for, I believe, 15 bucks. So it's not too expensive. And then for the portable bottle, it just screws on the top and it's called a platypus two liter. Does a platypus make the water bladders too? Yes, they do. And I think you can hook the filter right onto the bladder straw. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's convenient. Good to know. I will see if I can't find them online and, and drop a link in the show notes for that as well. So last question, James, what is your next big Virginia outdoor adventure? Well, my next big one that I really, really, really want to do would be Grayson Highlands or the Sand Cave. I forget exactly where that one was, but it's in Southwest Virginia. Isn't it at Cumberland? Cumberland National Historical Park? uh, I'm not really sure. I have to look it up again, but, but those are my two main big adventures that I really want to do. And those are the ones I plan on doing. Awesome. Actually, I think it's Cumberland Gap National Historical Park is what it is. That's where Sand Cave is. And it's literally in the very southwestern corner of the state where Virginia touches, what is it, Kentucky and Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So and there, it's really, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful national park down there, but it's fascinating because there's actually a, a landmark at the point where the three states touch. So you can stand over the, uh, the point where the three states come together. Oh, wow. I, I actually did not know that. Yeah, it's cool. You'll have to definitely have to check that one out. And then Grayson Highlands is a location that so many of my guests mentioned just because it's like a fairy land. So you haven't been there yet. I have not. And that's one of the places that I really, really want to go. Yeah, that's a great place to camp as well. Cause there's no cat. It's a, so it's a Virginia state park, um, but there are no cabins there, but there are campsites. So you can camp on the location and, you know, you've got the wild ponies there and you've got the highlands. So there's no deciduous forest at the very highest elevations. It's just exposed balds and rocks and it's some of the highest peaks in Virginia. So you will love that too. Oh yeah. That's, that's the reason I want to go because the trees, they just block so much of the view. (laughs) 
So I would love to go to a place with no trees where I could actually see a great view. Yeah, it's like a different world up there. You're going to love it. Is there anything you want to add before we finish up? Yes, I would just love to thank everybody who has supported me along my journey. And without all of you, my voice would not be heard and I wouldn't be inspiring as many BPOC people as I have inspired to get outdoors. Well, James, thank you so much for being a guest on Virginia Outdoor Adventures. I wish you the best of luck on your van, and I hope that you get there, get out on the road with that van really soon. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It was really an honor to be on the show. Excellent. Adventure on. Did you know that you can become a member of Virginia Outdoor Adventures? For the same price as a cup of coffee every month, you can receive a Virginia Outdoor Adventures membership while supporting the show. Members have access to the complete list of links and resources from each episode. Members also receive Virginia Outdoor Adventures vinyl stickers and a shout out on the show. I'd like to thank my newest membership supporters, Holly Hazard, Amanda Creasy, Todd Olson, Kevin Hickerson, and Nancy Heltman. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting me. Visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Jessica Bowser, where you can buy me a virtual coffee or sign up for a membership. You can also support me by subscribing to the show on your listening app. Help spread the word by sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media. Last but not least, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from my listeners. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Virginia Outdoor Adventures or on the website at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Don't forget to submit your questions about prescribed fire for our special edition episode on February 22nd. Thanks for listening. Until next time, adventure on. Adventure on.